Well, here we are again, another week digging deeper, and it's Pete, Mariah, and I, and Mariah, you did such a great job bringing the last installment to the Meltdown series this past Sunday, and that was your first time preaching on stage. You preached a message during COVID on video, but first time preaching on stage at Rise City Church. Woo! Little feedback, what was it like? How'd you feel? Terrifying. Terrifying. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, when I preached during COVID, it was on a video. Yeah. So uh, if I didn't like it, I was just like, eh, stop, stop. And let's just redo it. But when it's live, it's like, it's live. Yeah. Whew. What were some of the things uh, that were your favorite parts and parts also that were not so enjoyable? Okay. Well, confession time. I have sometimes debilitating stage fright. And so... You told me like maybe three months ago, like, hey, you preached this one. And I felt like you punched me in the stomach. And I did not, though. No, but it felt, <laughs> I definitely did not. And I couldn't even talk about it without feeling <laughs> nauseous for like months. I was like, so if it was only three so months, out. three months advance, and you could all saw, three months, all three months, you were not all three months. Um, <laughs> so next time we're going to tell you four days in advance that you're preaching. That actually might be really okay. nice. I think it's I might do know. better with that. Point taken. Um, but I, so many people prayed for me, and I really felt that prayer. I felt like it it held me up. And by the time it came to actually the day of, I was feeling pretty solid. Okay. Like nervous, but yeah. not the like panicky, panicky until five minutes before. And, but I made it. I made it on the stage. And, uh, and did a my great weakness, job. he was strong. You did a great job. Whew, did you hear, did you get some good feedback? I mean, I mean, it was a very personal message, right? We talked about yes. it. You talked about Hannah and really paralleled her, her infertility to yours. I mean, mm-hmm. so what were some of the things that, that came from it? Like any, any ways that God used it to really minister to, to men and women in the room? Yeah, I, I've i got... A lot of people have reached out to me, which I love. Like, to listen to a message and then take time to sit down and write an email and send it in is really great, especially when it's a positive email. You know, people are quick to sit down and write their, their negative emails. I've never received one of those. Have you? A negative email. I haven't, no. No one's ever emailed <laughs> no me. No one's ever emailed me something negative. Ever. Must be you, Mariah. Well, I think if you email it, then they have to put their name on it. Nobody wants to put their name on negative stuff. So. Oh, so yours just come in and call me cards? That was passive-aggressive at best. That was totally passive-aggressive. The ones that are against Pete come in with like the newspaper cutouts, like letter for letter. I will get you. Um, the, the cool thing is that when you talk about infertility and miscarriage, it's not a common discussion in our culture. So it just brings up so many feelings for people that haven't really thought about it. So one time I talked about it and a woman came up to me and she said, I had a miscarriage 30 years ago, but I just didn't know that I could think about it or talk about it. And it brought up all these feelings for me and I got to bring them to Jesus for the first time in 30 years. And so those are just the, just really beautiful moments but I think what surprised me the most was how many people reached out to me about how the Lord had used it in their lives that had nothing to do with what I thought I preached about. Hmm. <laughs> like I thought I preached about this section of my life, but I had, you know, I had a, a guy come to me who was like, I've been looking to the doctors for my certainty and realizing it's not there. Hmm. And, you know, someone else 
it really hit them about something going on in their marriage. Yeah. And I, I, I was so surprised. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that maybe you've experienced this too, Pete, in preaching. Like, it, I think one of the ways that you see the Holy Spirit move and see that, like, yes, I've prepared. Yes, there's a part of this that's, like, predictable on my end because I've mm-hmm. worked through it. I've, I've wrote it. I've studied. Thought about I it. I think this is the main point. And then the way that God uses that in a variety of ways that's so outside the scope of my preparation. And you hear someone say, oh, yeah, this is how I heard it, or this is what God spoke to me in this. And you're like, yeah, I never would have yeah. tried to like put those two things together, but 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 God did in the moment. And that's that's probably the part that's most, I don't want to say satisfying or rewarding, but mm-hmm. just also like there's, there's something else going on here besides whoever's communicating and just delivering a message. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of the Bible itself, too. Yeah. I, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago, and uh, it'd come out of, I did, uh, when we were talking about Elijah and the importance of taking your emotions to God, even just in a quiet time or whatever. And, and this person made a comment to me of like, you know, I just, I've read the Bible already. Like, why would I read it again? <laughs> Which is a very logical question. And I was like, I, there's just, the beauty of the scriptures is like, you can read the same Psalm nine times and God uses it nine different ways. Yeah. And there's nothing, I mean, if God couldn't do that, then half of the room yes on Sunday would have been checked out of your message, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm not, I've never dealt with infertility. But because the concept or the thought behind what you're saying, the the nature of the the nature of the issue specifically of dealing with childbearing was an example of a bigger issue that all of us relate to in some way. And I think that's what's cool about preaching and finding those places that connect all of us. But it was good. Yeah. yeah really. you, you know what's not cool is when you work on this sermon for like two months and then Pete gets up the week before you and says three <laughs> of the things you were planning to say. And I was you sent like, sent me your notes and I was like, didn't I preach this two weeks ago? <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Pete. Oh, you don't even know how many times I've dealt with that. <laughs> Where I have, so I like, have like three or four weeks planning something. He gets up and preaches and he takes all my points and I go back and rewrite it. I'm like, ah. So uh, I go back to, I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, do you want me to change or just go? And I'm like, ah, I'll just do the same thing and see how it turns out. And Brandon was like, hey, it's all right. Everyone forgets what you say anyway. I was like, I kind of like that's that. The that's the good helpful. and bad, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Nobody yeah. remembers that or I talked I, to you. I said, ago. people forget, or it's like when you have a kid and you, you say something to the kid and. And, and then all of a sudden, a week later, someone else says the exact same thing, and they come back and say, oh, you know, I, I realized this because so-and-so said this. And, and you're, you're like, like I, <laughs> I said that to you. And so I think sometimes if we, we reiterate the same points, it's probably more effective because well, that happened just even nature with us people. in this series because yeah. like, I got up and did Job talking about justice, and people responded to it in ways that were like, Brandon talked about this two weeks yeah, with, ago. Yeah, like with Jonah. <laughs> with Jonah, yeah. <laughs> like he's, I stole like four of his points. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, yeah, great. Great. The other thing I had never done before is uh, I, I've i done a lot of preaching in different arenas. So like when I was a youth pastor, I'd preach two services a Sunday. I'd preach at women's retreats in other arenas. But I've never had a 40-minute time block. So like for you, you're not, you're not preaching 40 minutes. 20 is like your sweet spot. So I was like, oh gosh, am I going to like accidentally preach 17 minutes and walk off the stage? Uh, but it all turned out. Yeah. Fine. So thank you, Jesus. 
second service even went a little longer than first service, right? I think. I think so. Yeah. I don't know if I just paused more. Or... I don't know. So in in regards to the message specifically, one of the things that I was curious about, and and maybe you can speak more into it, and and I knew a little bit that this is probably where you're going to land, but but it might be helpful just people that did mm-hmm. you know listen or watch online, uh, you know this week. You ended the message not sharing about your second child, Reagan. Mm. So you you spoke about your battle with infertility and then God giving you, you know, your first daughter with, with Kenna and then this like four or five year period where you were not able to have kids and then how you found out you were pregnant and then told the staff, you know, <laughs> peed on a stick and let all of us see it. That's Is great. that why the two of you are uh, <laughs> here? Because I told bad stories about both of you. So you're just here. No, that was actually really funny. That was funny. That was really funny. Um, but then after that, even though that was a celebratory moment as a staff, it ended up being a really painful moment for you and Lee. Mm-hmm. And you kind of just left it there. And then you didn't go on to say, yeah, but eventually, mm-hmm. Reagan. Like, why did, why did you land the plane there versus like putting a bow on it, so to speak? Because you have the bow to put on it. Yeah, okay, I have a couple of, a couple of things like to talk about with that. So I think the primary thing is that when we lost that baby, we didn't know what the future would hold. We didn't know there would be a Reagan. We didn't know what God was doing. And I really wanted the audience to come with me to where I was at that time when God said those things to me Hmm. and changed me. And I wanted to sit there with them and I wanted them to sit in that with where I was. So we had no idea what the future was going to hold. And I think sometimes, you know, in the Bible, we usually have the end of Hannah's story, but Hannah lived years and years without that story. And the majority of us are living in that kind of in between in the in between. Yeah. And so I feel like uh, sometimes we do a disservice when we preach because we give the whole story. We think it's like, well, it's encouraging, but not everyone's story is going to end that way. So we can do a disservice when we we preach in that way. So I wanted them to end with where I was when God reached me in that way together. Hmm. Um, but the other thing is that in the infertility kind of pregnancy loss world, it can accidentally be hurtful to say things like, well, you ended up having another kid, so it all worked out for you. Because nothing can bring back the child that I lost and having another child or side doesn't fix the pain. It doesn't fix the side. It's not a, it's not a fix. Yeah. That'd be like saying like, you know, your daughter hope dies and people say, well, you got Connor, you know, so it's all good. It turned out good for you guys. Yeah. No, you lost a kid and having another kid doesn't replace or fix it. So I would actually maybe even push back like the fact that we ended up having another baby does not feel like a bow. It is really wonderful that we now get to have two kids Earthside, but it doesn't. It's not a fix. So I would kind of caution, you know, um, t- storytelling in that that sort of way. Hmm. You saying that that response of like, well, at least you have, at least you got this kid. It, it kind of parallels the comment that you pointed out in 1 Samuel that uh, 
I can't say his name. Elkanah. Elkanah, Elkanah yeah. said about like, well, you still you got, got me. me. <laughs> yeah. Which I will say like backing up a little bit, like to have 10 sons in that culture would have been like being a billionaire. You know, so here's her husband saying, I would rather have you or you would rather have me than a billion dollars. So that's very sweet. Maybe poorly timed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we just need to throw an arm around. We were just saying, I, I was, it reminded me of a conversation I was having with somebody. Um, we were talking about Vincent Van Gogh. And, uh, As you do. Painter. <laughs> were painter. you guys talking about the Roman Empire at all? No, no, no. This, this, this will connect. You'll see. I'm serious. I'm, serious. Right, I'm here so, for it. I, in the context of we were talking about how sometimes you can pour your heart into something like art, but it doesn't get appreciated till later. And the person made a comment to me and they said, they were talking about, well, you know, Van Gogh, um, you know, when he passed away, his grandson found all of his art and like suddenly he was like world famous. So it worked out for him in the end. And I was like, Van Gogh was miserable his entire life and was in an insane asylum and cut his ear off. <laughs> what do you mean it worked out for him? Like the bow at the end, like doesn't diminish yeah. all the pain that Van yeah. Gogh went through. Right. And I think in many ways, Van Gogh, if you said, if you could, hey, you can live your life again and uh, you can have a decent, happy, healthy life or you can do what you did and be miserable, die, and then be famous after you die, pick. <laughs> Most humans would be like, Give me the normal life. I don't, who cares that I was famous after I died? And I think like the tendency to say like, well, there's a bow on the end. So that does away with, well, it doesn't do away with four and a half years of serious pain and heartache. Like that doesn't just go away. It doesn't just like, well, everything's good now. It's like, no, no, that's still a lived experience of, of mm -hmm. difficulty that people relate to. And so I actually appreciated that you didn't try to just like, and you even kind of, you kind of quickly was like, and yeah, Hannah got the baby in the end, whatever. But you know, you like you could have focused on the side of the story, but you didn't. You really just focused on this moment of her life of anguish and suffering and taking it to God. So I actually thought I really appreciated it and thought it it, it landed better for I think me listening to it. So yeah, yeah I mean, the downside definitely. is I didn't want anyone to feel tricked, but I also wanted them to experience the work that God had done in my life in that time period. And to sit there with that. And it's possible that if you went through infertility and ended up with a baby, that might feel like a bow for you. Um, but I think what I'm pushing back, especially for the pregnancy loss community, mm -hmm. is to really hesitate from insinuating that eventually having a healthy baby is a bow after yeah. losing life. Yeah. All right, so we're on the Diggy Deeper podcast, Ooh, which means go we got to dig a little deeper. Um, let's let's put the elephant right here in the middle of the room right now. Oh, I love elephants. Do you? They're so cute. <laughs> the trunk. So one of the things that I think uh, is important to address and talk about, just in, in brief, but to kind of hear where you're coming from and where we're coming from, is like one of the things that made Sunday significant was at a, in a live onstage preaching situation is the first female Mariah Sherman became the first female in the history of Rise City Church outside of my wife <laughs> Jamie um, who did it on a video just as you had done as well as I think Jamie did another one with me on stage but it's the first independent sermon given mm -hmm. and that I know for Pete and I and our staff we're just like that was awesome celebrating and excited about that but but it was also something new and depending upon where people come from in certain theological backgrounds, some people watching this or listening to this will be like, wait, what? That how, Why is it taking you so long? Um, others are going to be like, you know, depending upon their upbringing and all that kind of stuff or how they interpret the Bible, they may have been like, 
that's that's something I, I didn't know was possible, didn't know should happen or not happen. So not getting into, at least right yet, the nuances of like why yes versus no or blah, blah, blah. But like that's a that's a big deal. And you knew that going in. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us just for a moment, just like <sighs> what that was like? And and I think maybe part of that brought some of the nausea <laughs> that you're talking about. But, yes. But I would love to just talk about that and let people hear your heart and then our heart as well. It's like that wasn't insignificant on Sunday. That was a big deal. And you carried that going into it. Thanks. Thanks for acknowledging that. It, I I grew up in a more complementarian worldview of church. Which is just Which is that um, God has made us each for different roles. And for men, those roles involve leadership and teaching and holding authority. And for women, those roles involve being awesome too, but not doing the teaching or holding okay. the leadership roles. I never grew up in a culture that like diminished women's worth whatsoever, just very much the roles were defined and immovable. And so it was a, it was confusing for me growing up because I felt like God was shining and bringing out these gifts in me that I was being told by the culture around me that God wouldn't do, that he wouldn't bring out in, in a woman. And so I felt lots of confusion and turmoil Hmm. over that. And so as I grew older, um, I continued to feel that, like that, that that's what God wanted me to do is to learn to speak and teach in his name. Um, but I, the a church I went to as a kid growing up had one female associate pastor and she'd speak a couple times a year. Then every time she'd get up to speak, um, men would stand up and leave. They wouldn't sit, um, when she was teaching and I just grew up watching that. Hmm. Um, so it just added kind of to my angst. So, um, when it came time eventually, you know, to rise, um, asking me to teach that all is playing in the background and like the pressure of, um, wanting to get up on stage and just present myself as like, Hey, I'm, you know, this is my first time doing this. The other guys that teach on this stage are, you guys are 10 years ahead of me in your career and your speaking you know, I'm the age that you guys were when you planted the church mm-hmm. and wanting to be able to be received as like, hey, she's starting off. Good for her. And worrying that instead I would be received as, oh, she really struggled. Oh, she didn't do this great. She didn't do that great. It's probably because that's why women shouldn't speak mm-hmm. and feeling like I was holding a mantle for all women. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that my failures would be amplified or that. Um, it would cause people to look through my life and see my failures and apply that to all women instead of just Mariah's personal struggle or, you know, so that weighed on me and the Lord kind of had to do a work in my own heart to be able to follow through with what I really feel like he asked me to do this Sunday. Mm. And, um, he showed up and he showed through, um, but it's, it's a tricky spot for me because I, don't think that complementarians are super whacked out on their theology. Like I have some friends that are like, forget them, they're dumb. And I'm like, no, they're they're not dumb. Like they have a, a strong biblical argument as well and have a lot of respect for them. So it it causes tension. It's not yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. Well, I know this is a topic in terms of complementarianism and egalitarianism, which mm-hmm. is more the the other uh, counter viewpoint 
that Pete has walked through on his Like Stars podcast. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a topic that uh, the elders here at Rice City Church we've we've walked through it and um, and it's and it's one of those things that like what I appreciate more than anything is um, in a culture setting currently. I mean, on a national culture setting. Mm-hmm that we are a very polarized black and white culture and people have a really hard time trying to understand the other side. And on this particular topic, I feel like both on elders and staff and what we're trying to move forward to uh, as a church here at Rice City is there has been a lot of like, I see that, but I also see this. Mm-hmm. I I don't understand that, but I see where you're coming from. And and I think in that kind of conversation, because because some of the biblical texts just if you were to look at them mm-hmm. like face value right yeah. there no it's context, like just yeah it's it just up. like hey a woman should not speak she's just centered on authority of a man and it's like boom case closed so why is she doing that but then i think one of the things i've appreciated so much and in, in doing kind of deeper levels of study also having you know listening to pete's podcast and and our elders working through it in our staff that there's a lot of cultural nuances and other lots of passages on this particular matter mm-hmm. That would show that that there are partic- particular cultural context settings that maybe, whether it be a woman preaching or whether it's something you're eating, <laughs> there should always be consideration for the people there and whether or not it enhances others or it causes them to stumble. But when you see that in the context of one setting, but in other places you do see, for example, like uh, like a Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah. Other women preaching or something. Anna prophesying. Yeah, Anna or, prophesying or Lydia opening our home church or you've got Jesus having women, female disciples. Like there's a lot of things that have led us to say we we do see the gift inside of not just Mariah, but in other women and believe it's uh, a blessing to be used and to be proclaimed mm-hmm. uh, here at Rise City. But there's been a lot of conversations in that. And I would say there's probably people that, whether it be theologically and the text conviction or just of how they grew up, right? Sometimes yeah. the things that are that are put in you at a young age are really hard, even though just kind of like the shift. But I am so grateful that we are kind of on this journey and even more grateful how courageous you've been to know that and say, I will humbly step into this, but it, it was never like, I need to do this. I gotta have this done. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was I just, and, and you did such a great job. And I just, I guess I just wanna say like, this is completely <laughs> anecdotal for me. And this is completely subjective. This isn't this isn't me going off of like a biblical text. I, I we can walk through biblical texts or you can go look and listen to like stars, you know, like I don't know if I've ever had a moment as a father like I did Sunday sitting beside my daughter Elise. And 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 just her watching you preach. And her looking at me and being like, she's doing such a great job, isn't she? <laughs> like, and, she's, and she is like, and my wife, who has, we've had a miscarriage, and, but it wasn't the miscarriage of a connection, but just being like, there was just a different level of resonance that you were able to speak to, to the souls of not just the women, but, but women, but also men, but as me as a father, what that implanted in my daughter's dreams mm. of possibility and I got to see it in her eyes, I was like, that's a gift as a dad. I, I just want to say thank you for giving me. It was beautiful. Thanks. It was beautiful. Um, hard to do. But I was glad that I was obedient 
to what I felt like God was calling me to do because he had a purpose beyond, far beyond what I was, my piece of the pie. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I feel shame to admit that the biggest idol in my life is people's approval. And so for me, I, I felt like coming from the conservative background I came from that I had to put that on the altar in order to do this because this would potentially provoke people to change their opinion about yeah. me. And that I think was the core of what made it so terrifying, but also so freeing. And when I was, I was practicing my sermon on the stage, two little girls from our ministry came running in the door while I was preaching, like practicing. And they put their arms up, Mariah, Miss Mariah. And they just sat down and watched me. And I just felt like the Lord was doing a work beyond what was happening. Yeah. And it was a, a beautiful feeling, but I also hold the tension that complementarian parents would think this is a bad example yeah. for my daughters. And so I, I, I hold that tension. And I just want to say this, and I'd love for Pete to speak into this. I, I think it's important for people listening or watching to hear, like you could hear this. And I think this is, I'm going through like the cultural conditioning lens of how you hear this. So like when, when, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Mariah says, I just have to do what God told me to do. I know. That does not come from this, like, this is what I feel like God just said in my spirit, and we throw out the text. I know. <laughs> like, this has That's... come by you feeling like, and I feel like as our church, our staff, and our elders, like, wrestling with the text, is this in alignment, in alignment with, and can, is there biblical credibility to this happening? Absolutely. Along with the Holy Spirit moving us into this direction. And I think that all is mixed into saying, Yes, because sometimes people can hear and say, "Well, God just told me I'm supposed to do this. And I got to do it." And it's like, yep. but if that's outside of like biblical right. parameters or outside of the the character and nature of God, then we're not encouraging that, right? <laughs> and, Which is so, the criticism on on female yes. pastors that yes. they throw out the Bible, yes. in order to follow their ambition, yeah. Which is um, nowhere any of us ever want to be. Exactly. Yeah. What would you say that, Pete, or just what are you thinking? Um. I don't. That's a hard question. I think you you said something a second ago that made my. You said your idol is people's approval of you. Something I've learned about myself is my idol is peace. Hmm. Um, borderline laziness, but that's when it's bad. I desperately want calm and peace in my life, and my wife. We were we went for a walk on Saturday night. <clears throat> And she could like tell I was feeling weird. And, uh, you know, you said you, you get stage fright. I've never had stage fright in my life. I don't get nervous at all getting in front of people. It's amazing. I was terrified on Sunday morning. Like I, I woke up, I was nervous. I was like fidgety. When you introduced her, I couldn't sit with my wife. I sat in the back and I was like just biting my nails the whole time. I was, I was so, it wasn't though because I was, I, I wasn't like afraid of you not doing well. I'm like, oh no, she's she's been she's doing great. Uh, it was, I don't want, I don't want the, I don't want to go through some things that we went through in the past three or four years when people disagreed with some decisions that we made, and it's like, oh, and my wife, she, you know, I told her that on Saturday night, and she goes, aren't you like the one that's like on podcasts arguing for this and fighting this. And I was like, when I'm talking to a microphone, I, I can say whatever <laughs> I want. When I'm in real life, I don't I have I have incredible sympathy 
for commentarians. Like, yeah, I, I totally understand. Like, I don't think if somebody says I'm leaving Rise because I don't like your music, I'm like, yeah, Ben sucks. No big deal. No, <laughs> no, no kidding. Ben. ben didn't get any heat on Sunday, no. so he deserves. But I mean, like now. that to me is like, sorry, I just want to be like, shut up. You know, like you're just being you're being selfish at that point. If someone says, I believe the Bible tells me that women should not be preaching, I can't be part of your church. What I told my wife was. I said, what if Brandon decided tomorrow that we were going to be an affirming church? And he said, you know, as I've studied the scriptures more, I've come to the conclusion that that's cultural and I want to move in that direction. I was like, I think I would have to leave the church. And then someone would be on a podcast. He'd be like, oh, those stupid people who are just causing trouble and they don't see the truth. I'm like, no, I legitimately believe the Bible's telling me that's not right. For sure. So when someone says, Pete, I can't accept that interpretation of the scripture. This is what I think the Bible is saying, and I can't be a part of this. I have, I have like nothing to say. I'm like, right. I, I follow your conscience. Do what you think's right here. Like I'm with you. Yeah. I understand. I'm not with you in what I believe, but right. I have sympathy for you. Um, and you've been thoughtful about it. Yeah, I feel just as concerned about people who are like, I'm an egalitarian. I'm like, you haven't read this. Like, you haven't thought that through. Yeah, you're just an egalitarian because the culture wants. Or I'm you like, to be. that's not good. I'm right. not. Right. That's that and I'm not. I don't want to be that either. And so if I if I ever get accused of that, well, you're just following culture and no, no, no I'm. So because I use the word culture a lot, even when I talk about it. Mm-hmm. But what it get, what gets confusing with people, what they often miss my point is when I'm talking about culture, I'm not saying I'm disregarding the scriptures because culture has changed. I'm saying. I'm looking at that verse and I'm interpreting it in the light of the culture in which it was written. Mm-hmm. And so those are different things. I'm yeah. not saying, well, since culture's changed and I don't believe it anymore. Yeah. Right. I'm Huge saying, no, no. Yeah. Like, so when, when Paul says, speaks about women dressing a certain way, like every Christian that I do life with, and I know there are Christians that I don't do life with, would say, well, that's cultural. That's not something, like Paul was dressing something in the day that was cultural. And so that's kind of the direction I'm taking with it. Not... Because again, and I think this is such an important thing and it comes up a lot. If it's just a matter of what does culture say, then every church should be affirming. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. And if you look back in time. And right there, if you want to edit that video, you can make you say that right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. You say every church should be. Here's I go, clip, absolutely. Here's the <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, if you were to rewind the clock 150 years, that same argument was being made, and I, gosh, here's another way you can abuse my words. Well-intentioned, Bible-believing Christians slavery. continue to uphold slavery yeah. mm-hmm. for the same reason. They were saying, I don't care what culture's doing. I don't care that the North is saying we should stop doing this. I'm reading the Bible, and I think that's what the Bible teaches. And when I look back and see those things, I'm like, man, I want to be really mad at you. Like, how could you possibly think it's okay to own a human being? And it's like, these passages are really vague and confusing and can be yeah. very difficult to read. So I want to like give those people grace. I want to give people that disagree with me on women in ministry grace. I even want to give people that disagree with me on same-sex issues grace. I don't agree with them, but I give them grace. And so more than anything, what I hoped and prayed for wasn't that you would do well on Sunday, because I just knew that you would is that people would give you grace and and then give all of us grace for making this decision trusting that we're we might be wrong but we really this we've studied it we've we've done our work and this is the conclusion we came to if you disagree with us 
and you can't be a part of Rice City anymore. That's sad. I, I grieve that, but I'm not angry at you. <laughs> I'd love to have a conversation about it, but I'm not angry. Um, but I hope that no one, my hope was that no one was taking this out on you or treating you unfairly. And that that's, I just had all that fear in my head <laughs> going into it. So, And Rice City has just also like, just kind of like way digging deeper behind the scenes, but like we haven't come to this place of like, we haven't even like labeled ourselves as a complementarian or egalitarian church. Like right. I don't, I, I don't even like putting those labels on. We, we, we haven't said that because of the mutual respect, because of some diver, diver, uh, diversity of opinion, mm-hmm. um, and also still at times still wrestling with things. I like, you know you and I have talked about yeah. before. It's like at the end of the day, Mariah preached, but she's still under male headship with mm-hmm. male elders and right. things like that. And so like, so we're still trying to figure out that. And 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 so. We're really reticent at times, I think, to to put particular, even theological, created labels on mm-hmm. things to say this is who we are because that doesn't represent every single person on our staff or eldership, sure. and we got to be careful with that. That's what? what's oh, okay. that's what I love about Rice City. It's the only place I've ever worked where we, as a staff, work so hard to live out the idea that we major in the majors and we minor in the minors. We have people on our staff with different theological beliefs on origins of creation, obviously. You know, God created yeah. and all those things on women in ministry. We work so hard to make people at our church who are Republican and Democrat feel like they can be at home here. And equally uncomfortable. Yes. And I think that that <laughs> is, I I, tr- I, I hesitate. I, I'm not trying to throw any shade on any other churches, um, but Rise is very unique in that. And I think it brings a wholeness to our church community that is unique. Hmm. It also brings way more attention to our church community and having to be able to have the humility and grace between us all to say, I don't know if that's what Revelation is saying, but we can still be brother and sister and work in the ministry here. Yeah. I think what I, I would like to just chime in there for a second, because I want to, I don't know that anyone that disagrees with us is listening to this podcast. Like if you were super mm-hmm. ticked off on Sunday, you're probably not, I'm going to listen to it deeper. But just in case, I want to give that person something, which is number one, what you said, Brandon, is technically, technically, there's, I would push back a little bit in the sense of we do have something called a policy governance yeah. manual, which yeah. guides yes. our church leadership. The policy governance manual is not egalitarian, right. it is complementarian. It is the elders and lead pastor of Rice City Church are male. are male. So if anyone's listening and wondering, I just want that to be clear. Like, whether you agree or disagree, that is in writing. So the argument about, complementarian and egalitarian is very big um at its core is leadership yeah teaching is secondary there are many churches that are actually complementarian in leadership but have female teachers on the stage Mm -hmm. the teaching issue is one really difficult confusing passage that paul states the women in leadership their place in the church is a much bigger thing across multiple books of the bible and different things like that so we i think what i would say is if you're like, okay, so Rise is Rise tries to be diverse on our opinions on things. We don't take a stance on creation or end times or Calvinism versus Arminianism. The problem though, and I just want to give I want to acknowledge this, is when Mariah walked on the stage with a microphone, we took a stance on an issue. Right. Yeah. So we we can't really say we don't have a stance anymore. 
Like we gave that up the minute we gave you a microphone. Right. We said, no, we actually are taking, we're not taking a stance. And we've kind of taken a stance on leadership. We've said, we're not going to hire a female lead pastor, mm -hmm. but we are going to let a female preach from the stage. So if someone's listening and saying, well, wait, it's not, it doesn't seem like you're, you're not being, you're, you got off the fence. Yeah, we kind of did. We did in um, a category. Yeah. In I, a category. Right, I right, right. Consider, That's all I wanted to acknowledge. Yeah. And on my, on my, mm -hmm. the bigger scope of all church ministry and women in leadership, I would consider Rise City to be the most, I don't, I want to say liberal, but that has other contexts, form of complementarian that exists. It's pretty far, as far right, as you can go. It's pretty much as far as you can go right. without being egalitarian because of our stance on male eldership. Headship. Right. And he male headship, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, that's where I would consider, I've been at churches that were, you know, there's, there's usually levels of complementarian. Mm -hmm. Women can not be kids pastors, yeah, it's kind of the less than women can be kids pastors. Women can be youth pastors as long as they're not over 12. And like it, it goes on and on. Yeah. So I would consider Rise to be at this point the most allowing version of complementarian. Without crossing into egalitarian. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I, I just wanted to But individually sure. on the staff, there we still hit in different spots on whether we're egalitarian mm -hmm. or sure. complementarian. Yeah. And when I take a job at a church, I... Um, I'm stepping into their belief system and we're all in agreement on those things. When I first joined Rice City, I didn't have the the title of pastor. Yeah. And I felt passionately about that because I did not think it was, I didn't want to create any division. I just wanted to come and do God's work, you know, and over time things have. Was that, yeah. sorry, changed. I wasn't part of the staff at the time. Was that because she was a female or you just didn't feel like the job itself was pastoral at that point? Because I don't remember it ever being because you were a female, but maybe I wasn't in the know enough at that point. Um, that's probably one of those things as a church planter, you just hadn't thought about it. Right. That's more kind of it's probably like, from. you know, like we just were just starting to get off the ground, and, and man. Mariah was, I think, our third. Yeah. Uh, more like a church pastor. And so we yeah, had like a coordinator, let's do this. And, mm -hmm. and we just, we hadn't thought through and weren't thinking through like some of those types of topics and as we grew up then it became more like oh now we need to think about this what does and this mean so, i was happy with that yeah. and i i wanted to join a team and help get this thing off the ground it it doesn't matter to me it didn't matter what the titling was yeah i was happy to join the team yeah um well, we are excited and grateful you're on the team and i am gonna kind of put a bow on it at this point um it is christmas time it is christmas time but if you did not get Some a chance bows. to watch or listen to mariah finish out the meltdown series man I think so many people were blessed by it, grateful for your transparency. Praise God for the way He's He's worked in you and through you in that. And um, and man, the whole meltdown series in 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 total, like I said, we had a lot of people come forward just to be, receive prayer on Sunday. Uh, just grateful for all the things that you did and all the things that and even Pete and Robert and I just preaching and, and then the team leading. Like it was a great series and. Um, Starting a new one on Sunday. Starting a new one on Sunday. Now We're for Christmas. Jumping into Fear Not, which is looking at the uh, different angelic proclamations in the Christmas story. Robert will start off this week. Oh, I'll yeah. take Christmas offering Sunday on the 10th. Yes. Pete will uh, bat clean up on the 17th. The kids and are going to sing I'll Christmas, Christmas offering Eve. day. <laughs> Wait, is yeah. that true? What? I'm on the 17th. I don't, is, am I really? I think so. <laughs> Congratulations. Now and he gets nauseous. Here we go. Here we go. Unless Brandon no. takes all your points on the time. I need, I need to really look at my notes. Maybe I'm preaching the 17th. I, I told, think you uh, are. I asked Robert how much money I would have to give him if to uh, subtly change the series to No Fear as he was preaching. Quote, <laughs> just quote No Fear t-shirts in the middle of his message. You guys are so old. 
Ben knows what no fear is, though. He okay. <laughs> ben just keeps getting <laughs> name dropped. Listen, we better end this podcast. Right. We're in danger zone. Yeah, we are uh, in danger zone. So glad you joined with us. A lot of things unpacked there. As always, we're always open to meeting, talking. Kind of, if this is something that you have questions about, let us know. And um, yeah, just grateful for this team and all the guys doing. So thanks for joining with us. We will talk to you again next week for Digging Deeper. Thanks.